Welcome back to Read It or List It. I'm Phoebe, and I'm on my own today. (laughs) We have a special interview to share with you today with author Stephanie Dre, whose book, The Women of Chateau Lafayette, came out the very end of March. And this is an interview that I recorded with her while we were on our hiatus, and we would love to share it with you now. The Women of Chateau Lafayette is a massive historical fiction tome following the women who touched the life of the Marquis de Lafayette. So if you are a fan of Hamilton, you may find great joy in this story. It is available wherever you get your books, and it is a multi-generational story, and it follows the lives of three women, the wife of the Marquis de Lafayette, and we also go through World War I and post-World War II. And I hope you enjoy my interview with Stephanie. Welcome to Read It or List It, Stephanie. We are so happy to have you. I am a huge fan of your books. Um, I think I've mentioned America's First Daughter on the podcast before, but we'd love if you could begin by telling our listeners a little bit about yourself and a little bit about your new book. Well, thank you for having me. I am Stephanie Dre, New York Times bestselling co-author of America's First Daughter and My Dear Hamilton. I love writing about founding mothers, and I'm back now with a new solo historical about our French founding mother, Adrienne Lafayette, wife of the Marquis de Lafayette, who, thanks to Hamilton, an American musical everyone now knows as America's favorite fighting Frenchman, <laughs> the novel is about her legacy, his legacy, and the brave women who carried on that legacy in the world wars. Yeah, I I loved how the structure of this book was a little bit different from the other books. Um, I've read America's First Daughter, as I mentioned, and My Dear Hamilton as well. Um, I actually used to live around the corner from uh, the Grange in Harlem. So oh. I, I brought um, my dear Hamilton over to the park um, there and I was reading it and I was like, oh, this is so cool. <laughs> um, but those were a little bit more linear um, of a storyline than um, this book. So what was the difference in writing that book? Well, for this story, I wanted to make sure that each time period felt authentic. So I actually wrote each of the three stories separately And then I wove them together. And this was harder than I thought it would be. Uh, I'm not sure that I would try this again, but I think it came out great. So I'm so excited that readers are responding to it. (laughs) I was going to ask if there was a storyline or one of the characters that um, was easier to write or a favorite to write. We obviously, we have Adrienne, who is the wife of the Marquis de Lafayette, Beatrice and Marta. Um, so like you said, you wrote them all separately. So I was going to say, how did you break down? Uh, but there was one that was a little bit easier to write or a favorite that you liked doing. So my favorite is always whoever I'm writing at the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Adrian was clearly the most courageous heroine I have ever written who threw herself into danger constantly. Um, But Beatrice Chandler really uh, took over my life and the book because during the process of writing, I kept discovering new things about her. So the story kept shifting under my feet. 
which you would think would make her my least favorite, but actually she just um, is so funny and so entertaining and kept me on my toes that I think she is my my secret favorite. I guess now it's not so much a secret. <laughs> well, Beatrice is one of my favorite names just in general. I'm, I'm an actor, so when it comes to Shakespeare, I love, I love Beatrice. <laughs> um, so I loved following her. Um, but this was also a little bit different um, because we were going through so many different time periods. So what was it like to flow through those time periods? Well, learning, I had never written in World War One or World War Two before, so I had to really research and immerse myself in each period uh, to make sure that I didn't make uh, any mistakes. I should say uh, many mistakes, because there's always one or two little things <laughs> that a historical fiction author will miss, but hopefully I didn't miss many. <laughs> uh, well, speaking of, you're actually the first historical fiction author that we've had on the show, um, which is very exciting. I feel like it's always one of those genres that people love so much, but they're not as drawn to pick it up because you know you're going to be thrown with a lot of facts. Um, but obviously, there is a line between fact and fiction and what you do to make the characters your own. So um, how do you strike that balance? So one of my favorite things about historical fiction is that it helps tell the stories that biographers can't. There are certain things that biographers would be irresponsible to speculate about, but a historical fiction author can form a theory of the case and then explore it like a historical detective. So that's something that I love bringing to historical fiction, but also it allows us to tell a much more intimate story and allows readers to get to know these characters like they were friends. So mm -hmm. I like to have sort of a fly on the wall perspective in the book and to let readers absorb themselves into the lives of these women and their extraordinary stories, the perils that they survived and how they came out stronger on the other end. Yeah, that was something that I, I particularly noticed um, with Adrian's storyline and in America's First Daughter as well that, you know, I never would have been like, ah, oh, yes, Thomas Jefferson's daughter. I'm so invested in her life, but it, it almost read like a romance in some ways. And Adrian was, I think she's going to end up being a favorite character for so many people because her, her strength and that resilience, I mean... When you think about women during the the revolutionary era, and I think that the beauty of your books is that they we they get to take the the driver's seat, um, and that's not something that history books always allow us to see. Um, so I I loved them. They all had such distinct voices, um, and I was also a huge fan of Beatrice as well. But uh, I know you mentioned Hamilton and all of that. Um, so like I said, I am an actor. I would love to know your thoughts on Hamilton and if you think, um, you know, if any of your books were turned into a musical, which one do you think you would like to see portrayed that way? Um, well, I think this book, because it has such a wide cast list. Um, mm -hmm. I myself am a giant fan of Hamilton. I think they've done something amazing in that they have created really interesting art that's modern social commentary, but also does a real civic service in encouraging people to 
take possession of their own government and and of their own lives. And that's something that Lafayette felt strongly about. It's why he's America's favorite fighting Frenchman. And his wife also believed in those enlightened values. She was an abolitionist. She was a religious dissident. She was just fabulously courageous in ways that we can't even imagine when she was at the foot of the guillotine Mm -hmm. and she survived that and still went on to join her husband in prison to save his life so these are things that really happen and I would love to see them dramatized yeah I think it would be so fun obviously we would need David Diggs to be there (laughs) maybe not necessarily in rap form I actually sat next to him on the subway one time and I was like Oh my goodness. Um, oh, I'm very jealous. <laughs> um, but I do think that, I mean, that, I think that will be a huge draw for people to want to pick up this book because, you know, obviously with Hamilton, it is dramatized. It has the bright colors and the, the vibrant music. But the reason why he exists in that form in the musical is because he, he was a very vibrant person who had a very strong woman at his side, um, which was absolutely wonderful to see um but you know picking these founding mothers picking these these moments in history to bring to life um how how do you choose these characters do they call to you these moments or um are these just things that you've loved your entire life that you wanted to bring to life well I've always been interested in the rise and fall of republics and particularly women's role in the formation of republics. So it always called to me. It's why I started writing about Cleopatra's daughter was my Mm -hmm. um, debut novel. But um, with this story, Adrian really spoke to me because she and Lafayette had one of the world's most beautiful love stories. It's very poignant, really. And I know that we're going through sort of a time in history where all of our founding fathers aren't seen in the best light. Lafayette is probably one of the most lovable amongst them. So it was a real joy to be able to write about someone who is a little less complicated. (laughs) Yeah, one of those, uh, it's like, oh no, when your heroes let you down. But Lafayette, you know, he, he, I mean, the book is not about him. Obviously it is, but um, I think he he has a legacy that we can continue to be proud of. which is very nice uh, yeah. to to have. It's called the Women of the Chateau. So the Chateau is a character in itself, um, where we get to see its its real legacy. And obviously, I'm going to have the the Hamilton music of the Eliza's final final moments, thinking of you know what will be the legacy and the women upholding this legacy. So, what was it like to sort of characterize the Chateau itself and allow it to be this living thing throughout time? Well, I was actually able to visit the Chateau in 2017 in Auvergne, France. It was quite an adventure. Uh, Being the historical nerd that I am, I got very shaky and nervous once we entered the castle. So my husband had to hold the camera or else we would never have gotten a clean shot of anything. (laughs) I got to see all the treasures in Lafayette's treasure room that he had collected, like Ben Franklin's signet ring and a lock of George Washington's hair. And there used to be George Washington's dueling pistols in the treasure room, but they went missing um, 
mysteriously. I know the Nazis were, mm. or they were trying to hide them from the Nazis. So uh, no one knows what happened to them. But I really loved visiting there and walking in the footsteps of these women and the history that this castle had seen. I kept thinking if these stones could speak, mm. what would they say? And that's part of what I tried to do in the novel. Yeah, I'm I'm a lover of historical homes. I grew up in New England. So actually, the, the town that I grew up in was one of the ones that the British burned. Um, <laughs> and so uh, during, I think it was the 200th anniversary of the, the burning of Fairfield, Connecticut, they turned all of the, um, the fire hydrants into little red coats. <laughs> they like painted them all and... So there was, it was like red coat, American soldier, red coat, American soldier. And they still look that way today. Um, but I, I equally love historical homes and you get like chills walking through because, you know, there's just something really magical about the past and what we've learned from it. Um, so I was going to ask if you got to visit the Chateau. I wasn't sure um, when you started writing this book and with the pandemic, obviously, um, travel is not as free right now, but hopefully one day we'll be able to return to that. Um, so besides the Chateau, um, or maybe that was your favorite, what's the most special place that you've been able to visit for research? Well, I also spent some time in Paris uh, researching the French Revolution. But while I was there, I went to Picpus Cemetery, which is where the Lafayettes are buried. And um, it's right next to a mass grave of victims of the guillotine from the French Revolution, including um, people that were very special to the Lafayettes. So when I went there, I knew it would be a moving experience, but I wasn't sure how moving because I didn't expect to run into so many other Americans there who were also paying tribute to Lafayette. And that really just touched me, especially knowing that even uh, General Pershing stopped there um, at the start of our entrance to World War One, and his staff assistant said, Lafayette, we are here. So that place has great meaning to our nation and to the Western world. So I was really grateful to be able to visit and lay flowers and also um, a $10 bill so that Hamilton and Lafayette could be reunited. Oh, oh that's so beautiful. Um, yeah, I think that was my my favorite part about reading the, the women of the Chateau is that we are able to connect all those moments throughout history. And I think there are people who have experienced multiple wars in their lifetime and that you know, they're not these uh, isolated incidents. Everything connects to each other. And I think that that, um, for everyone who um, will read the book, or if you've been able to read The Women of the Chateau already, we're actually speaking on Stephanie's publication day, which is so exciting. Um, this book is out in the world for everyone to enjoy. Um, the, the Chateau, like I said, is a character in itself in that it... Um, La the Lafayette, both Adrian and the Marquis de Lafayette, Gilbert, or Gibert, as you yeah. would probably say, <laughs> my French teacher will be like, Phoebe, I taught you better than this, <laughs> came from such wealthy families. And the chateau then becomes an orphanage. And uh, one of the characters we get to meet is a child who grew up in that orphanage. And that that beautiful legacy of this one building surpassing time I just think is so, so unbelievably special. 
just, you know, the, uh, that relationship, I think that um, people understand so much better now because of Hamilton, I think will make this book feel um, even more special. But you also have to read My Dear Hamilton, uh, which he makes me a little mad sometimes, but he was a brilliant man. <laughs> Hamilton is sometimes harder to love. Lafayette is very lovable um, almost all the time. Not yes. all the time, as readers <laughs> will discover in this novel, but most of the time. And I, I think to come back to what you just said about the connections between the wars, I think what this represents is democracy is never finished. There's mm -hmm. always a struggle to maintain democracy. And so these three hours of human history were some pretty dark hours for democracy. The, the American Revolution was sort of uh, a chance that we were taking in a world filled with monarchies to try our hands at self-governance. And it worked out for us. But democracy was imperiled in the world, in World War I and in World War II, and probably in every generation thereafter. And so I really wanted to show a story about how each generation bequeaths this legacy to the next and that we have to take up the torch. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, the American experiment is never over. And I think that's something that we've really seen, especially in this last year, that there is continually so much work to be done. But that that research that you have to do, that history, and probably finding out like some unsavory things. Um, I know George Washington was always a favorite founding father of mine. I'm like, oh, but he's still, he still had slaves. He still did all this. And, you know, there's only so much that you can blame on the time. Your books are incredibly well-researched, and I think you do give, um, you you acknowledge those imperfections, and you allow the reader to, um, like, we don't, there's no sugarcoating over yeah. it, and I think that, right. that um, is really, really important, especially in 2021. Um, so what is that research process like, and how does that inform the the fiction element of things? Well, I usually start off with any biographies that I can find. In this case, um, there are plenty of biographies on Lafayette, a few on his wife, Adrienne, and I like to use the letters that they've written to each other to take my dialogue from if I can. Mm -hmm. um, the research project with Beatrice Chandler, though, was quite involved. I started yeah. out the story thinking I was going to tell the tale of a well-heeled social maven who turned her efforts to philanthropy and saved her marriage during the Great War. That is not at all what happened. When I went <laughs> to the New York Historical Society, I discovered a packet of letters in her papers. They were unaddressed, and they seemed to be love letters. And the more research I did, I uncovered that these were written in code, and there I had discovered, essentially, a century-old secret love affair. So I had to start writing the story all over again. And that's when I got a call from Beatrice's grandson who helped consult on the novel. And he said, um, because of some papers that I had sent him, he said, I've discovered that my grandmother wasn't even who she said she was. Uh, in fact, Beatrice was a more extraordinary heroine than anyone knew. And yeah. so that is the third version of the story that I wrote for her uh, and the best version of all. Wow. I mean, truly, 
I feel like that that's a side of um, of the war that of the Great War the, of World War One that we don't really get to see a lot of, especially from a woman's perspective. So I mean, I feel very attached to Beatrice's story. Um, but wow, that's incredible. What does that feel like to uncover something? And then like, I mean, number one, being able to be in contact with a family member, which obviously, I mean, I'm sure there's distant relatives that you can find from our revolutionary heroes, but knowing that that relationship is so close what's what's that like it's very nerve-wracking uh, because I certainly uh, wanted the Chandlers to like the book and mm. to feel that I had honored um this woman who I I think is just fabulous she's a wonderful heroine so I didn't want to get anything wrong and I didn't want to upset them but also having to deliver the news uh, that, oh, your grandmother was having a love affair with a French officer uh, was a, a little bit of a, a little bit traumatic for me. Luckily, yeah. the family made it easy on me and, and they said uh, that they would have been surprised otherwise. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I feel like you have to you accept the uh, the the wonderful things. And that, I mean, it was just part of, it was part of her story. Um, and I mean, I think we're all, as readers, we understand that characters are not perfect because human beings are not perfect. Um, so that is, I mean, I just can't imagine what that's like to find these letters and be like, uh, and like you had said at the beginning, um, while we were speaking that, you know, the story changed so much from what you imagined. Um, which is just so unbelievably cool. Um, all right. So speaking of research, what was it like to dive into the, to writing solo again? Well, on the one hand, it's super fun because I get to have everything my own way. I don't have to <laughs> negotiate over any chapters or wording. Um, but it's also, it's, it's a little more lonely because when you write with a writing partner, she gets excited as excited over historical finds as I do. So we really feed off of each other and we're always brainstorming together. And so um, I really do miss writing with her. And I think there will be another Drake Moy story about another founding mother. Uh, but first, she has a solo novel coming out um, about Churchill's spy mistress. Ooh. And uh, I have another novel in the works about America's first female cabinet secretary, Frances Perkins. I was going to ask if you were able to share what you were working on with us next. Oh, that's exciting. Very nice. So how, how long does it take for um, you to finish a project? Because obviously with all the research and all of that going into it. Um, so when did you write The Women of the Chateau and um, have you been waiting for it to, to come out for a long time? So this was a work of seven years in the making. Oh I'm my often, goodness. <laughs> yeah, I'm often researching one book while writing another and marketing a third. Um, so I wasn't focused entirely on the Chateau the entire time, but I had been musing about this for a while and it had gone through several incarnations. I wasn't sure who my World War II heroine would be at first. I thought it might be Anne de Lagrange, mm. who was a real historical figure at the Chateau at the time that Jewish children were uh, hidden there. But ultimately, I wasn't really sure what Anne's role was. And because 
this history is so recent, I was very wary of lionizing someone who maybe wasn't so heroic mm. or villainizing them if they were heroic. So ultimately, I chose a composite figure based on women at the Chateau, but not um, actually any one historical figure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that that definitely makes a lot of sense. Um, so speaking of co-workers, co-hosts, someone to do something with. My co-host Ashley was unable to join us today, but actually her last name is Chandler. So <laughs> I noticed that. And of yeah. course Beatrice's son is um, Ashley Chandler. So I thought that maybe there was a little trick being played, but no, <laughs> she's <laughs> All right, well, <laughs> she was going to find that very, very funny when I let her know. Um, she She's a lawyer, so she was unable to, to join us today. Um, but so, something that we love to do on Read It or List It um, is book and song pairings. Uh, we're very inspired by music, so um, I don't know if you have a writing playlist or something that you like to listen to, but if you had to pair a song with the women of the Chateau Lafayette, what would you choose? <laughs> well, I think for part of it, we would use Yorktown from yeah. Hamilton and American <laughs> Musical. Um, for Beatrice's story, I often use, I would often listen to Claire de Lune. Mm. Uh, and, uh, and I also would spritz myself a little bit with uh, that perfume that she wore, which I, I don't speak French, so I can't pronounce this right, but I believe it's L'Air Bleu. Uh, oh, no, yes, very nice. <laughs> um, yeah, I uh, something I love to have on when I read, they're called like ambiance rooms or ASMR rooms on YouTube. And while I was reading, I had on when it was Paris in springtime. Oh, so it yeah. was like lots of pretty pinks flowers were on the image and then like French jazz and coffee cups and espresso and all that. It was a wonderful little ambiance to read along with. Um, well, Stephanie, I'm so thrilled that you were able to join me today. If you can't tell, I am a huge fan and have just been fangirling, very excited about this. Um, before we say goodbye, if you have any final thoughts for our listeners, we would love for you to share them as well as where they can find you, if you have any social media or anything like that. I would absolutely love for visitors or listeners to come to stephaniedray.com. I have a historical book of the month club that you can join with a new uh, a monthly newsletter where you can get free books and other little goodies so I hope they'll visit awesome well we will have all of that linked in our show notes as well as on our Instagram read it or list it pod and the women of Chateau Lafayette is available now wherever you get your books thank you so much for joining me Stephanie thank you Thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this interview. We have lots more interviews lined up for this summer. They're always something really special for us to do. And if you are looking to purchase a copy of 
The Women of Chateau Lafayette or any of Stephanie Dre's other books, you can head to readandwrite.com to find all of the resources mentioned in today's episode. Make sure to leave a review and a rating on Apple Podcasts. It's the best free way to support Be That Are Listed and helping us reach more readers. And as always, stop by today's Instagram post at Be That Are Listed Pod with your thoughts on today's episode. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Ashley, that's not as much fun to do without you. Original music by Jake Thorne. Podcast produced and edited by me, Ashley Chandler, and Phoebe Wright. You can find us on Instagram at Read It or List It Pod. All rights reserved, 2020.